0: Tonight I've entitled this short message, Time and Distance, Waiting on the Lord. Time is defined as a measured or a measurable period period during which an action, a process, or a condition exists. Distance is the degree or the amount of separation between two points, lines, or surfaces, or objects. If you take, and it's, this is against the law, so I'm going to throw you guys. Some, I'm going to throw you something out there. This is this is what we cannot do as as highway patrolmen. You cannot take a mark on a highway. Let's say you mark this part out, and you mark another distance over here, and let's say it's 900 feet, and. If, if a person's driving their car and they travel to the first mark and then they hit the second mark and you, you time that, you can actually calculate how fast they're going. When you're traveling at 60 miles an hour, you're traveling at roughly 90 feet per second. And that measurement is called a speed trap, by the way. You can't do that. Okay? They do it in other states and... Um, I think it's actually a better way to calculate speed because it measures it in a longer distance other than just grabbing it for one second. But regardless, with God, though, time and distance do not exist in His world. He sees yesterday, today, and forever all at once. Imagine if you would just for a minute. A line going across this room right here, okay? A line, just imagine an imaginary line going across it. And that line were to continue all the way around the world. And then it would come back and it would, again, intersect right here across this room. If you took your life, let's say you live to 70 or 80, or let's say you really stretch and you live to 100. If you took a look at that line... You would only be a speck on that imaginary line as it travels around this, this, this continent and this, uh, across this world. That's how big your span of life is in the big picture with God. That's how small we are. That's how brief our life is. God transcends all time and distance. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered in His name, He'll be in their midst. He almost, I remember a song back in the day that says that He's as close as the mention of His name. I want you to understand today that God transcends all of these things. Time, distance, speed. He is beyond all those things. And if you look at people in the Bible... Who received the promise from God? Let's go back to Abraham first. Abraham was 75 years old when God called him. He was 80 years old when he received his promise. Now, some of you, maybe you think to yourself, you know what, I'm 70 or I'm 65, and you know what? I feel like I'm I'm retired and my life is past me. I want you to know that in God's time, you're just getting started. You've just begun. At 80 years old, he received the promise that said, You're going to be the father of many nations. At a hundred, or excuse me, at 86, he took matters into his own hands. And he had a son named Ishmael. At a hundred years old, now this is this is 20 years after the promise. A hundred years later. Isaac is born. You're going to be the father of many nations. Just imagine, God says, I'm going to do a revival in Springville 30 years ago. Isn't that what it was, Darcy? Almost 30 years ago. In a full gospel businessmen's meeting in in Porterville. There's a revival coming to Springville. Imagine the people who thought, Okay, you know what? Next week it's going to happen. Those who stirred it up within them and said, Now is the time. We just got the message last week. He said it's going to happen. And nothing happens. That's what it was like for Abraham. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're 80 years old. He goes to 81. He goes to 82. He goes to 83. He goes to 86. And he finally says, Okay, I'm going to take this matter into my own hands. Joseph was 17 years old when he dreamed. Remember the dream that the sun and the moon were going to bow down to him? We were bowing down to his his star. I believe that's it, right? I hope I got that right. (laughs) And Joseph, at 17 years old, has this dream that God's going to do something mightily in his life. Thirteen years of bondage. Thirteen years. He he was sold to the Egyptians by his own brothers. He was put in a pit. He was brought out, and then they sold him. He goes to Egypt, and he gets promoted into Pharaoh's house. And then Pharaoh's king, the king's wife says, "You know what? He tried to he tried to do something to me, honey. He did this. Put him in prison." Remember the dream. The dream. Thirteen years he sat in bondage and, and, and had to just plug away. Moses was 40 years old when he realized that he was an Israelite. And remember, he, he cut down the Egyptian because he was going to go free the people of God. He spent the next 40 years in the desert. This isn't the 40 years he spent with the Israelites. This is 40 years before that. 40 years. I don't think we can imagine. You know what? Our lives, everything we do, we, we, we want fast food. We want it now. We want to see God move. We want to see it happen right this moment. But I want you to understand with God, things happen in His time. He transcends time. He sees the past, present, and future all at once. He doesn't have to to look and say, oh, this is what's happening today. He says, this is what's happening. David was anointed king when he's between 12 and 15 years old. For the next 20 years, 20 years, he tended sheep. He ran from Saul. He had to hide out. His life was in jeopardy because Saul wanted him dead. This is how it goes. When God gives us a promise, the next thing that happens is the enemy comes in and tries to rob everything that you've been been given. Maybe God spoke a word to you when you were young. Maybe God has spoken to you a word recently that this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place in your life. And what happens is the enemy comes in and he robs it. He steals it away and he says, you know what, that's not going to happen. Let me put you in prison for a while and make you think about it for a bit. Saul tried to kill David to the point where he even he threw a spear at him. One other time he says, he says David, I'll tell you what you go and get a hundred Philistine foreskins. You slay a hundred Philistines. Saul thought this will surely kill David. This was a plot to destroy David. But God's favor was on David. And David came back with 200 and plopped them down. And then he took Saul's daughter as his wife. Everything, I said last week, everything in this world, all hell itself, wants us to settle. And just sit back and go, I'm going to leave that for someone else. I'm just going to plod along right here where I'm at and be happy. But God says this in Isaiah. Let's look at that. In Isaiah 40. i mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word wait, but they that wait, is the word kavah in Hebrew. And it means this, to twist, to stretch, to tension of enduring, like a strand of rope, to strengthen, to endure, to remain, to look eagerly. Those who do those things, but they that stretch, and tension that enduring. They're like a strand of rope. They strengthen, they endure, they remain, they look eagerly. But they that do that upon the Lord, the Bible says, shall renew their strength. And the word strength means ability, human strength, power. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. The word mount up means to go up, to ascend, to climb. Remember what I said last week about the mountains, that I go up into these mountains? And actually, Ron, he's been on the cheap mountain with me. He climbed up there. It was a long, old trek. But he knows how much I like to climb those mountains. And God is calling us to ascend He's calling us to go higher than we've been before. He's calling us to off of the plateau, out of the valley. He's saying, listen, I want you to climb up. I want you to mount up. Did you know that God has called us to be flyers? He he called us to fly. He's called us to soar. He didn't call us to be uh, meager and low. He's called us to raise up with wings and soar. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to climb. That's what I was telling us last week. But you know what? When when we settle, we're not climbers. When we settle in the valley and we stay right here and we don't climb up, and I'm saying spiritually speaking, I'm not talking about going and climbing this mountain behind the, the building. I'm saying that we spiritually say, you know what, God? I'm coming up to a new level with you. I'm no longer going to stay right here where I've been. I'm not satisfied. I am not going to be settled. I'm not going to sit back. But I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up my sleepy head. I'm going to wake up, wake up that sleepy spirit. And I'm going to say, God, what is it want to do with me. Mount up. And the Bible says that when we climb, if we become a climber, that He will give us feet. The Bible says in Habakkuk, what I said last week, He'll give us feet like hinds feet, like the deer's feet so that we can climb those. I was watching a, a nature show this week on the, the mountain goats and how even this, when they're only just a couple months old, they're on the side of those cliffs. And they're springing and they're moving all over the place. And mom's watching them and I'm going, oh my goodness, he's going to fall off. But God gives us feet so that we can climb. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. The word there means to carry them speedily. To dash to and fro. Like a courier runs. God wants us to be runners. Runners. God did not call us to settle. He called us to get up on our hind feet and to run. He says, you know what? I don't want you to be satisfied with where you've been. I want you to climb. I want you to run. Paul said to goes, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. Everything within us, everything that the world throws at us, wants to make us settle and say, I'm happy right here where I'm at. I'm content." But remember what I said many weeks ago when we were talking about the armor of God, that we have to take up a contrary position. If you're not taking up a contrary position, then you know what? You're going with the flow. God's calling us to be like that salmon who changes his colors, who doesn't look like he did when he started, when he ends that journey. He no longer looks like the same individual because he has pressed through. He has climbed ladders. He has jumped. He's had to do all these things to get to the place where he has to be with God. God's calling us to do that. And if and I want to read this, this verse in context because the, verse, the verses before this, in verse 29, it says this, He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases their strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord If you're weary, if you're feeling like you're faint, God says, you know what, I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the power you need. I'm going to give you the ability you need. I'm the one. Rest on me. Don't look to your own strength. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let that be your strength. Look to Him. Look to that power. Maybe God has spoken promises to you. It's time, like Joseph, that you dream again. Dream that Springville can be a place where revival comes out of. That A water, a gushing water flow comes out of Springville and floods this plain and says, through my spirit, I will do this. In Psalms chapter 90. In talking about time and distance, Psalms 94 says, A thousand years in your sight, are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. One translation says, as brief as a few night hours. A thousand years in your sight, Lord. Second Peter 3:8 says. But do not forget this one thing, dear brothers. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I like the second part of that. But the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. He's always right on time. He's orchestrating things in the background. We don't know what's going on, but he's working on our behalf, the Bible says. He's doing that. In, it's like a computer. You know what? Like you're doing something over here, and in the background, the computer's doing this over here. That's how God works with us. He's working in the background. I don't know how he does it. I don't know what he's doing, but I am assured of this. He says he's doing that. And every good in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift. Comes down from the Father of Lights, who does not change like the shifting sand. The God we have to serve, the God that, that, that we worship, the reason why we come together is this: that we know this. That God isn't going to change. He's the same today as he was yesterday, and just as he sees yesterday and as he lives in that realm of today, yesterday, and tomorrow, he is he's fully aware of what's going on, and he doesn't change. He's faithful. He's reliable. He's dependable. He's an anchor. He's a solid rock. He's a firm foundation. He's a righteous platform. He is the the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the priest of peace. You can put your faith and trust in Him. Many times we put our faith in things that are very much less trustworthy. Think about this. The stoplight when you go through Porterville. You put your trust in that as you go through that intersection. That you know that, that if it says green, then they got the red light. You trust that. You trust in something mechanical. You trust in the pilot when you get in a plane. You trust that he's going to be sober for one thing you hope. <laughs> You trust in Him. You trust in your teenage kids. When's the first time you remember when they were 16 years old and you got behind the wheel with them? That's trust. I know because I've stopped some of them out there. We trust in bus drivers. We trust in so many things. We trust in the brakes on our car. All these mechanical things that are all prone to failure. And God says, why don't you just trust me? Something that won't change. Something reliable. Something that will stay firm. A foundation isn't like the shifting sand. Put your faith in me. Walking in substance. Walking in substance. Remember, I talked about that many weeks ago. I said, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, faith is the substance. The word substance in the Greek is the word hupostasis. And it means that which has its basis in reality. That which is the basis for something. That which is the underlying facts, the guarantee, the insurance, the confidence. That's what God is telling us. Put your substance in me. Put your faith in me. Let go of what this world is saying. Remember I told you. Let's step over the line and walk in this spiritual realm. The physical realm is passing away. Remember how small we are on that line. We're just a little speck in, the, in eternity's picture. God says, listen, you can put your faith over here in the spiritual side. And guess what? This is going to last. This is going to be forever. On that line, you can ride out that line because the things that are over here is where I exist. It's where I live. It's where it's my domain. It's where heaven is. If you give up something for His sake, you put everything in His hands. The Bible says that He will not fail you. For everyone whose hope is in the Lord. We sang that song last week. For everyone who puts their hope in the Lord, He is there to provide for us. God is not late. He's always right on time. Many times, people have a word for you. Maybe it's a a gift of knowledge. Maybe it's a a, a gift of healing. And and God has spoken a word over you. And we haven't seen it come to pass yet. And sometimes we think to ourselves, God, maybe you've forgotten me. Have you forgotten me down here in Springville? Up here on Fultz Park Road, where no one even knows I'm around. Or up here in Sequoia Dawn, in one of the apartments. I've gone too far away from Him. Maybe He just doesn't hear me anymore. Maybe I've stepped too far. Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe I've just been away from Him too long. God says it's not too late. It's not too late. In the book of Daniel... It says this, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, at that time, and this is Daniel chapter 10, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now, first of all, I want you to understand something. This is a godly man. Daniel was a godly man. But he knew what was going on in the spiritual realm. And I'll tell you guys, that's why I continue to ring this bell. You see, you say, well, Greg, why are you so radical? Why are you so, why are you, why are you this way? Because you know what? I feel like this bell needs to be rung because God's trying to wake up his church. God's trying to wake up people that have been sleeping. He said, "Listen, I want you to. I want you to put aside all these things. That's what Daniel said. I ate no choice food. I let no wine touch my lips. I put everything else aside because I wanted God. I fasted. You want to see God move in your life? Fast." You want to see God change something in your life? Begin to fast. You want to hear from God? You know what? You feel like your ears aren't hearing God? You know what? Begin to fast. I will tell you right now, when you begin to fast, the Spirit of God will begin to speak in your ears. And that's what happened with Daniel. I mourned for three weeks on the 24th day of the first month as I was standing on the bank of a great river, river, the Tigris. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold. And from up has on his waist. His body was like topaz. His face was like lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of bronze, uh, bur- bur- bronze. And his voice was like the sound of a multitude. I believe he saw Jesus there. I believe he was having an encounter with the king of glory. Daniel then he says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw this vision. Those who were with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So and that's just the presence of God. They didn't even see the vision, but they felt the presence of God. They felt the weighty presence of God, like Pastor Mike talked about last week. That presence of God that was on them made them terrorized and made them want to say, you know what? I gotta go hide myself because I need to get right with God. And he says this. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face was turned deadly pale, and I was helpless. And Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. And a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I am speaking to you, and stand up, for I now have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia kingdom has resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. I want you to pay special attention to this. To set your mind against, since the first day, since the first day, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I want you to know tonight, the first time that you came before God and you said, God, I'm crying out in desperation for the presence and the power of God to work. I have heard your words. I know this. I am, a, I am assured tonight that the time that I begin to pray, and every time that we pray for revival over Springville, we pray for, for God to move in our midst. I will tell you this right now. God says, I heard you. I heard that. i heard what you were saying my ear was not was not closed i lend an ear because i hear the people of god i heard you when you walk in obedience to me i heard you i heard you in acts chapter 10 at Caesarea, at Caesarea there was a man named cornelius a centurion in his He was was known as the the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked, and the angel answered. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a, name, a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying as Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius and two of his, had two of his servants and devout soldiers who were with him as attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now at the same time, Peter is being, being drawn up to a roof. Where he begins to pray. This is where God begins to, to move upon the Gentiles. Up until this point, it was just for the Jews. And at this point, God begins to speak to Peter. And at the same time, he's speaking to this, this Greek man. He's, 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 he's a Gentile. He's saying, here's a man that doesn't even know God in, in, in the sense of what they knew at that time. He says, your prayers, your gifts... To the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. I want you to know this just like it was with Daniel those things that we do, those things that we do in the secret place, those heart cries when we yearn for God, those things that we desire of God, how we cry out to Him, He is hearing us. They are coming up as a memorial to God, they stack up. Before heaven. God hears every one of them. And He's going to answer every one of them. You know what? Sometimes His answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's wait. But you know what? I will tell you this. God is answering every one of them. Every prayer. Every petition that we made. When we walk in obedience to God. He says this. I heard your prayers. Here's a Gentile man. Didn't know the, 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 the kingdom of God like you would think at that time. All they knew was the Jews at that point. And here he says, I have heard your prayers. I have heard your prayers. God transcended time, space, and distance. Peter was over 30 miles away when God began to speak to him about what to say to Cornelius. Persistence overcomes resistance. Endurance will build strength. We will begin to soar like eagles. God created you to fly. God created you to be a one-runner. He said that you would run and not grow weary. He created you to be a climber. Feet like deer's hind feet. That you could climb tall mountains. He created you to be a flyer. Wings as eagles. He said that you could keep asking. Keep knocking. He said to keep doing these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says, When you give... When you give. He's saying that this is something that we should be practicing. He says, when you pray. Jesus told his disciples this. When you pray. And then he says in verse 16. When you fast. These are things that he took for granted that were normal. They haven't become normal in our day. They're no longer normal. People don't even know it. People in churches don't even know what fasting is. God is calling us to look to him. To stack up our prayers in heaven. Keep praying. Keep seeking. The word in the Greek, ask, seek, and knock. It's in the present tense, and it means this. To ask and keep asking. To knock and keep knocking. God wants us to be persistent before Him. God wants us to be persistent. We're going to go to a time of, of worship. And this verse, the very first song that I'm going to play tonight, it's called Nothing But the Blood. It's an old hymn many of us know. It's sang sang in a little bit newer fashion. But God is calling us. I've, I've said it over the past week. God's calling us to holiness. God's calling us as he was in Daniel's day. There have been outpourings of God's Spirit all through generations. But I believe we are on the cusp of of God's final, final days. You know, in Moses' time, there was a a move of God that changed the atmosphere. In the time of Jesus, there was a move of God that changed the atmosphere. We are living in the last days. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. We're in that time. God's about to pour out His Spirit upon all of us. We've got to make sure, where are we at with God tonight? God, where is it that I have been? Have I been walking where I need to walk with You? Or am I walking according to my flesh? Have I put You on the throne, or am I on the throne? If I'm on the throne, it's going to fail. If He's on the throne, it will succeed.